Hello and welcome to BQP's Diversity and Inclusion podcast. This episode is on diversity and inclusion within law firms. We're touching on themes of how DNI initiatives are being achieved within firms, advice to students and the future of the legal landscape. My name is Mohini Katecha and I am a current BPP LPC student. I run this podcast alongside my two incredible teammates, Irini Estasio and Patricia Coogan. Today I am joined by Irini, who's going to introduce herself now. Hi everyone, so my name is Irini. Uh, thank you for the intro, Mohini. I'm a recent law graduate from the University of Leeds and I'm studying the LLMLPC at BPP based in London at the moment. So I'm also a DNI ambassador at BPP and co-host of the podcast. So we are very fortunate today to be joined by two fantastic guests who have a lot of experience. So we're hoping to have an engaging conversation today. So first of all, thank you very much for joining us. Um, we've got Rob Powell from Bristow's, he's an associate there, and Vim Banji from Taylor Wessing, he's a partner. So if I could ask both of you to briefly introduce yourselves and tell us why DNI is important to you. And if we start with Rob for this one. Yeah, hi everyone, and uh, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. It's a pleasure pleasure to be on. Um, as, you, as, you, as you mentioned, I'm an associate at uh, Bristow's. Um, I am four years, four years PQE. Um, and diversity and inclusion is, uh, I'm also a member of our uh, inclusion group. Um, Diversity and inclusion has, has been, I guess it's kind of, it's, it's just been a part of what I do really. And it's kind of a part of you, I guess. It's kind of not really a decision. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've been involved in, in our um, diversity and inclusion work since since I joined as a trainee uh, many years ago. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's just kind of inherently important to me because I think it's, um, it, it's just essential for not just a, a successful law firm but just as part of society really it's just something we need to do it's um it just seems so obvious but it's uh yeah it can be frustrating at times but it's um it's certainly something that's very important to me that's great and vin hi um and thank you very much for for having me here for the podcast today uh, my name is vin Banj. i am a solicitor i'm a partner at the law firm taylor wessing uh, i wear quite a few hats. Uh, I'm a, a partner in our commercial technology and data team. Um, that's the uh, practice area where I roll up my sleeves uh, and, and actually do some proper work. Um, most important to me um, is I'm also the co-chair of our cultural diversity uh, network and committee, uh, which is a key part of our overall diversity and inclusion efforts within Taylor Wessing. I also sit on our DNI board um, that is responsible for the firm's activities as a whole, uh, and also not only reporting to, but also guiding and advising the board uh, at Taylor Wessing on our DNI initiatives. And I do that very specifically in the context of uh, cultural diversity and race and ethnicity. So absolutely delighted to be joining you today. See whatever I can impart, I shall do so today. That's great. Thank you so much, both. So we've kind of split the episode up into three, te- three teams, three themes, and I'll kind of introduce the first one. 
But the backdrop of it is centered around concerns that I think a lot of students have when they're considering DNI within law firms. And they're twofold. So the first one being when issues of diversity and inclusion are spoken about within firms and the industry more generally, I think students are often seeing that they're quite conflated, whether that's all of them being bunched up into one group or some kind of being disregarded. So I personally didn't even realize that neurodiversity had a title of neurodiversity since starting BPP in my work here. So I think education on it is a major part, but also superficiality. And that kind of brings me to my second point where students are feeling that even though some efforts are being made towards DNI, it's done in a way that seems like tokenism or a bit superficial because it's the right thing to be doing. So firms want to have that good image. So I think the main question for this first topic is how are firms ensuring that it's not superficial and how are they addressing each individual strand and kind of added to that, we hear the word quota like thrown whenever DNI is talked about. So how can we make recruitment more of a natural progression rather than a checkbooking checks exercise? Um, so if we flip it and start with Vin for this one. Uh, sure. Um, lots of huge topics that you've summarized in in just a few seconds there. So uh, it, it'll be great to open up and I, I'm sure I won't answer all of it um, because they're so big in the uh, in the nature. I, I think you touch upon quite a few points there and I think they're absolutely important points. I'm not surprised that students may have this perception uh, that law firms are, uh, when they think of law firms and they think of diversity and inclusion, uh, maybe associating things like tokenism and uh, and also questioning whether law firms are really serious uh, about their efforts. I think the point about combining and, 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 and sort of joining all these efforts into one area is a different point. And I'll come on to that and explain that in a moment. Um, I think, you know, law firms, like many parts of, of, of industry and commerce, and certainly the city, um, have a pretty poor legacy when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Um, and, you know, that in itself should not be a shocking statement. It should not be a, a statement of surprise. I think that's the reality. Uh, but the legacy there is, is pretty poor. Um, I don't remember, you know, when I joined, uh, it, it's good to hear Rob's introduction. He's uh, a, a more recent joiner to the profession than I am. So he has a more fresh perspective, I think, from that perspective. When I joined over 20 years ago, um, no such thing as DNI within law firms, um, no such thing as any form of campaigns or discussion about topics around DNI. Um, and I remember episodes of when I or, or, or one of my colleagues might have raised a hand to say, that's not right. Um, and to be honest, you needed to be incredibly thick skinned because you wouldn't dare raise your hand to say anything in those days. And even then, what you expected was that it was going to be brushed off. I think so many law firms that I'm aware of, and certainly all the major law firms that you'll find have changed um, and are making huge attempts to change as well. They're doing much more in this area. And I think those that are paying lip service to this, um, and I don't know who they are, to be honest, uh, you know, um, what, what we are focusing on at Taylor Wessing is what can we do 
to make Taylor Wessing a better place for our colleagues? Um, and how do we better recognize those individuals who want to join us and allow them to be themselves when they join us? Um, and that's not just about race and ethnicity. It's about all aspects and all strands of, of diversity. So there is a common theme that runs through all, all our efforts. I think in the next three to four years, um, and it's not necessarily a prediction I want to make, but I'll say I think in the next three to four years, it will become much more apparent as to those law firms that are paying lip service to it, because so many firms are really putting a lot of weight behind uh, diversity and inclusion across the board um, and are much more alive to, to, to change in that area as well. Um, and are viewing it in exactly the same way as they view their business. In other words, what's our strategy for addressing this issue? How do we, how do we get our people on board? How do we make sure our people are really involved in this? Um, how do we support this? How do we put resource behind it? Uh, and, and treating it as a fundamental part of their business. And that's certainly what we're doing at Taylor Wessing. And I'm sure, and I know other law firms are doing the same too. Those law firms that are doing that, in three to four years time, you're gonna see that they are so far ahead of those who are paying lip service. Um, and also I think students will begin to see it as well. Um, and I think you'll see that and potential applicants will see this as well. Um, and you'll start to see those law firms and you'll just be able to tell those who are paying lip service and those who are able to, to show what they're doing, are able to point to what they're doing um, and and really reflect what they're doing. Um, and it's gonna be that difference between just you know, talking the talk and, and actually being able to show substantive steps towards change. And I think that's gonna be absolutely the key thing. And you know, it's, it's not just about you know, what does your statement say on your website? Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it'll be around, you know, does everyone within the firm, irrespective of what level your colleague is at, irrespective of whether they are law, uh, whether they are lawyers, whether they're solicitors, whether they're fee earners, um, are they all able to understand? And are they all able to, 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 uh, um, to state and to be able to say what the firm's approach is? In other words, you should be able to pick anyone within the firm and say, speak to them. I bet you they will show you and be able to tell you what the firm's culture is. Um, so I, I think you know, it's going to become much more apparent in, in the few years to come as to those that are taking this seriously and those that are not. I'll, I know I've spoken for a few minutes, but let me just you know, come back to this point around you know, those firms that uh, perhaps are uh, you know, lumping all these different strands of DNI together. I personally don't think that that in itself is a sign or an indication that firms are not taking it seriously. I think firms are of different shapes and sizes, um, and and sometimes you know they the what's more important is that they start and start meaningfully making a change in this area, um, and I don't think we should necessarily equate a small start or a start where everything is focused in one point of nucleus as being necessarily a a uh, a poor start or a or a false start from that perspective. I think those who do it meaningfully will see that naturally grow as well. Yeah, thank you. I definitely take that point. I think it's a very, very important one to make as well because not everyone is at the same stage, but I think starting is something to say the least. Um, 
So as been said, Rob, you have started more recently, so it'd be really great to get your perspective on this as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm actually feeling really optimistic about it at the moment. I think I think that this year, for, for all its, its drawbacks, I think feels like a bit of a tipping point, and I think we're starting to see some real change now. Um, it's, you know, diversity and inclusion is one of these issues that can be talked about a lot and discussed and kind of kicked around in, you know, committee meetings inside firms without any real action. Um, but I feel like, yeah, certainly this this year, there's, there's, feels like there's been a real surge of change. Um, and I feel like that's going to continue on now. And where perhaps in the past it was something that people would just pay lip service to, um, I think now, you know, people are actually demanding change and, and forcing change. And I think has been says that's, that's going to manifest um, over the next, you know, three, four, five years or so. Um, you know, in, in things like statistics, for example, to, to bring it back to its raw form. Um, so yeah, I think it's, 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 it's quite an exciting time, really. I'm quite enthused by it. Um, I think change in this area is often frustratingly slow, um, and, and it can be, you know, it can take generations for, for, for things to change, but I feel like there's some real uh, impetus behind it at the moment, um, and so hopefully we can, we can start to speed that up. Um, in terms of students being concerned about it, I think they're right to be. Um, it, it, it often doesn't feel like it when you're looking to apply to a law firm. Yeah, you know, you feel like you're in a kind of, kind of weak position and you're, you know, you're just looking to get a training contract anywhere. But it should be a two-way process um, and it should be you selecting the firm as well. And part of that, you know, should, should be the firm's approach to diversity and inclusion. Um, and that's something you should interrogate as part of the research that you're doing into a firm anyway. Um, any, any law firm worth its salt is going to have some kind of um, reference to diversity on its, on its website somewhere. Um, but it's about digging, digging beyond that and, you know, things like following these firms on social media and finding out, you know, when, when they're tweeting or posting about various events that they're doing, you can, you can start to get a feel for the firms who are actually engaging in, in, in genuine activities in this area and aren't just, you know, don't just have a, a couple of lines on their website last updated in 2011 or something. Um, and, you know, it's about talking to the people that's been said. It's, it, it can be difficult to, to get a feel of a culture of a firm before you apply, um, simply from, you know, reading the website. But it's, it's about talking to as many people as you can and really getting a feel for it because, Again, as Ben says, if it's a firm that's genuinely um, interested in, in diversity and inclusion and is doing a lot of action in that area, then people will be able to tell you that and that will come across from, from speaking to the people. Um, because, you know, it's slightly cheesy, but law firms are the people. They are the sum of the people there. Um, and so, to, you know, it, embedding diversity and inclusion into, into the fabric of the firm is, is about essentially every every person buying into it um i think too often it's a small committee of people who are, who are interested in it and are really trying to drive change but it's seen as peripheral to the business and i think the shift over the past year and, and hopefully that will continue is again has been says that it's now central to, to to what we do it's not an add-on committee it's 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 central and it's it's important it's important for business um you know, we're seeing, certainly seeing clients being a lot more demanding of, 
of diversity statistics and, and as part of client pitches, asking about diversity um, issues and, and, and what actions we do. Um, and thankfully at Bristol, you know, we've got a kind of long list of, of, of evidence to show what we're doing and, and how it impo important it is to us. But you know, that's just a kind of cold, hard business um, justification for it, I guess, is that it's becoming more important and, and clients are asking about it. Um, and in terms of the, the secondary point about, you know, kind of banding various strands together, I think it is often, unfortunately, a resource issue um, and a time issue, um, trying, to, trying to, you know, focus on each and, each and every area. And as you say, firms at different stage of the process, different stages of the process and different kind of levels of maturity, I guess, or resource, um, will have to do that necessarily. But I think anything they can do obviously is, is beneficial. Um, something we've done over the past year is, is we have a diversity calendar um, and then each month focus on a different area. And although obviously, you know, you can't cover every strand necessarily, it's, it's good to, to get a real focus on specific areas. Um, and maybe you focus on something that's beyond the kind of some of the normal big diversity strands that get the most attention. Um, and that's all about raising awareness internally. Um, which is, yeah, something that I think has been really successful over the past year, and I've certainly learned a lot. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. I think both of those answers were really, really insightful because it's perspectives that I personally haven't really considered from a firm's point of view, which is the whole point of the episode. Mm -hmm. So that's great. And as you say, it really is part and parcel of a firm's culture. And I think it is something we should be optimistic about because as a younger generations get pushed through and people are becoming more cognizant for the need of diversity inclusion. It's something we will see developing as we have done. Um, I think everything that's been said kind of leads quite nicely onto the topic I think Irini wanted to introduce for the student focus side. So I'll pass on to her. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to focus on DNI on the external side of things. So more on the application process and recruitment, which is basically at the forefront of every student's mind at the moment. So I um, firstly wanna ask how each of your firms, so Bristos and Taylor Wessing, how you try to incorporate DNI within the application process and within recruitment. So um, recruiting diverse talent and um, being inclusive once they uh, come in into the firm and in, uh, integrate within the firm. And if um, Vin, you can go first. Sure, um, and I, I'm glad you touched on this point because it's an area that we've, we've started to spend a lot of time on and we are continuing to put a lot more effort into um, recruitment and the, the reason I say it started and the reason I say we're going to spend more time on this is because th th there is no quick hit to try and say we tweak this there or tweak that there we will end up with a more diverse workforce it just doesn't work like that um, and we're going through a process of um, and, and this is an example of what you talked about earlier in terms of you know tokenism versus proper change and wanting to change we are uh, we started the process of, um, one, we asked ourselves a question, are we committed to unpacking our whole recruitment process um, and, and going through the steps of saying, right, we're going to really challenge ourselves on where we think 
we might be falling short, where we know we are falling short. Um, and also for the first time, I think looking at things like statistics um, and data and, say, and asking ourselves, well, are we collecting it? If not, why are we not? Um, looking at whether that's systems that we're using that are maybe holding us back and not giving us that information. Um, and actually, you know, looking at this from the perspective of what is it we want to achieve? And is it simply we want to recruit more people who are from the Black, Asian and minority ethnic backgrounds? Or is it that actually we want proper sustainable change in this area? And, and it's definitely the latter. So we're doing several things. One is we are trying to work with other law firms to, to, to try and understand how as a community, as a legal community and as a profession, we could do more to change in this area. Um, and, and that is interesting in itself because I think this is one, for the first time, I think I've seen some common ground where law firms are coming together and saying, this isn't about competition between law firms. We all want to change and we all want to see big change in this area. So there's a lot of sharing and conversations going on between law firms around your strategy towards uh, DNI and race and ethnicity and some of the ideas that you've come up with and so on and so forth. So that's, that's one area how we can, as a profession, change. The second area I think is what do we do around unpacking our whole recruitment process and for us recruitment is, is a whole variety of things. We have initiatives where we work with students who are not even at university and might be thinking about a career in law and we're looking at the different spectrum of backgrounds there so looking at social mobility uh, and, and working with partners like like uh, you know the black solicitors network aspiring solicitors but also future first so starting much earlier in the process so we can try and help those individuals and those students and those younger folk who think i quite like to be a solicitor or who may have thought that they they, that they shouldn't even dare think about a career in law and, and helping them understand that, yes, you can. This is perfectly accessible for you. Um, and then working through to see what we can do to influence and make a change there, rather than simply having a process that says, if you're a student at a certain stage at university or about to start your LPC, here's where you apply. So looking at different stages that we can provide skills and support and mentoring uh, before you even get to the stage where you're ready to put in an application. Um, and, and so we, what we're doing is in terms of one is we've made a, a pledge, we signed the race fairness commitment, uh, which was a big step for us. Um, and through that, we are informing ourselves around um, how we unpack the process, how we collect more information, how we collect more data, uh, and how we learn from that to inform ourselves on where the gaps are, uh, you know, why aren't we getting more applications from certain communities and certain minorities and so on. So we can really start to look at that more carefully. Uh, and I think that's going to hopefully result in a lot of change for us. And we're already seeing some early signs in that, in that particular area. The, uh, and, and also what we're doing is we're also involving our clients as well. And we've gone out and, and Rob made a very good point that clients are being more demanding of law firms. And I think it's incumbent on us as law firms to be more demanding on our clients as well and say, right, you know, if you're really serious about wanting change from the profession, um, then we want you to support us to do that. Um, 
And this is where we need your support. Uh, you know, when we are recruiting, when we're having our recruitment campaigns, uh, when we are looking for, for mentors to support 16 to 18 year olds and so on, we want you guys involved as clients. So we're bringing the client community into that part of the process. So eventually, and, and this really forms a sort of key part of our sort of the three stages of our strategies, what we do at Taylor Wessing, what can we do with our clients and what can we do with our communities and making sure that they do not sit in silos, that we, that we apply effort in those three strands, but then we link the three together as well. And, and the second point you mentioned, Irene, is, you know, what do we do um, in terms of making sure that the experience of those from minority ethnic backgrounds uh, that join us have the right experience as colleagues, uh, have the right experience and exposure in terms of their career, their progression, uh, and, and what does that look like within the firm? So what we're looking there in terms, I talked about unpacking the process. We're also then looking at unpacking the process and then looking at how does that extrapolate four, five, seven, eight, ten 10 years ahead. Um, so looking at what that means in terms of access to promotion, access to different stages of, of your career, whether it's becoming a senior associate or senior counsel or partner, and making sure that all those elements where perhaps those from minority backgrounds have been disadvantaged, those elements are taken away. So we are launching from January uh, um, a, 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 a coaching and counselling forum for those from uh, uh, minority ethnic backgrounds that join the firm. Uh, to make sure that the opportunities uh, that otherwise they don't see uh, are, are not holding them back. Um, we will also make sure that we have a new reverse mentoring scheme as well. So those that are joining us are actually, and it's not incumbent on, on you know, those from minority ethnic back backgrounds to educate and inform you know, the rest of the firm. But we do want to learn from their experiences and we do want to make sure that that's working through. So we have a reverse mentoring scheme that's also coming into play. So looking at those two elements is absolutely a fundamental part of our strategy. And I'm going to stop talking there because I know Rob may have things to, to contribute here as well. When it's right, we'll come on to the issue of quotas as well. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's absolutely agree with what you say in, in terms of almost starting backwards and looking, first of all, at where do we want to be and what do we want to achieve um, and using that to direct. And, and, you know, for me, it's, I want to be in a position where, as a firm, but, but more broadly as an industry, we are proud of our diversity statistics. We're proud of how diverse the profession, the profession is, uh, you know, perhaps compared to other professions and where we can really boast about it. And I think, we're probably a long way from that. As you say, historically, it's, it's not had a, you know, the law hasn't had a great reputation in terms of diversity. Um, but but that's, that's the stage we want to get to. Um, and then you, you work back from there and look, okay, how are we going to do that? And, and how are we going to go about it? Um, and you're absolutely right to focus on, you know, recruitment being a, a, a key part of that, because, you know, ultimately to, to look at it kind of, on a basic level, that is the key pipeline of how, you know, recruiting trainees is how you're getting new people into the, into the firm and the, the people are the ones who make the culture. So 
um, you know, if, if you're getting a bunch of however many it is, 5, 10, 20, 40 trainees in each year, then that, that's a huge, that, that's, that's where you're going to make, make change. Um, and I think it's important as well not to, because I think there's a huge amount of work that goes in to um, in, ensuring the, the um, you know, there's a d- diverse pool of talent uh, coming into the firm as trainees, but it's also important to look at kind of lateral hires as well, because um, that can be an area that is, is, is often kind of disregarded. Um, and it's, it should be the case that recruitment is kind of baked into every stage of, of um, sorry, diversity and inclusion is, is baked into every stage of the, of the recruitment process. Um, and, and that's, you know, has been said, it's about a kind of root and branch review of the process, looking at it at every stage um, and working out what we need to change um, and trying to make changes, trying to make tweaks. Maybe we can do this, maybe we can do that. And, and that, would, that would just, you know, make it, make it slightly easier to, to recruit um, diverse talent. Um, it's, I think it often, you know, undertaking that process often involves having difficult conversations. Um, and really kind of facing up to it and looking at the statistics and you know being very self-critical of, of our processes um it's not always an easy thing to do but i think unfortunately this area it's something something we have to do and start asking questions and challenging ourselves um, about how, how we're gonna how we're gonna make a change um i agree also about trying to recruit people at an earlier earlier stage um I have this thing about you know planting a seed. It doesn't matter how early on you're talking to someone, they may listen to you know 30 seconds of your hour-long presentation, um, but maybe a few years later, you know, they remember that a lawyer came in and, and spoke to them, and that sparks the idea. And you know, maybe it's one in a hundred people, but it's about making that um, change early on and making the profession accessible um, and not some kind of you know, mystical, mystical thing that other people do. Um, my particular kind of, I guess, the driver for getting involved in this is is the social mobility strand, uh, and and trying to really make it more of a, a diverse profession in terms of you know class and the class system. Um, and I think that is, you know. That, that really is the, the, the key element is, is, is trying to get to those people who think that law isn't for them or and they're not good enough or it's you know something people of a different class do um, but you know as with all of these things do to do that is is very resource intense um, and I think certainly you know for smaller firms that, that can be very difficult and that's why um, as Ben was saying, to really join together as, as an industry um, and to have these kind of knowledge sharing initiatives um, is, is, is the, it's really the best way to go because it's, it's sharing resource, I guess, and sharing information that is going to help make a, a change to the profession as a whole quicker than, you know, everyone going off on their own course. Um, thank you both for the insight. I think it's definitely important to hear from you who are inside the firms that you, the firms 
have a look at their statistics and they try to work on based on statistics. That's very important. And um, I guess to follow up from that. So for me, I'm a non-UK student and I'm guessing uh, a lot of our listeners might be the same as well. So um, I know that uh, I've heard about rare recruitment and how it's basically employed within firms and the recruitment process. Um, could you briefly describe rare recruitment? And in my case, um, I have felt that rare recruitment doesn't really um, get statistics on non-UK students. So I feel like it's more on UK students, whereas I have often felt that um, I shouldn't apply somewhere because I'm a non-UK student. So what would you say to other non-UK students and encourage them to apply and that firms are um, really looking for non-UK students as well? Yeah, so um, I, I think, you know, the headline message is that that should never ever be a factor that should you should have to deal with in terms of your application. Um, being from a, from a non-UK background, that, sh that realistically should never have an impact. And I think it's, as we said before, it's about looking at every, going, going through with a fine tooth comb and looking at every part of the recruitment process. Every question that you ask a potential applicant or box on a form um, and really looking through and trying to come at it from different angles and thinking, you know, there, there'll be hundreds of things that you never even think about really. Um, perhaps exactly that, someone from a non-UK um, background coming to a, a box on a form and realising, well, there's nothing really that it doesn't really fit for me. You know, I, I can't really select one of these options. A anything that, that we can change in, in that regard um, to ensure that people don't, don't end up at, at that position where they think this isn't for me, um, you know, it needs, needs to be done really. Um, and to do that, because I can't inherently, for example, look at a form and predict all of those different um, things that people might think, that's, that's where the information sharing comes in, right? And that's, that's where having input from, from different areas, including, you know, potential applicants maybe contacting you and saying, well, uh, you know, I don't fit into this box or what, what option do I select here and that kind of thing. Um, it's certainly something we need to look at because certainly for me, you know, diversity of nationality is certainly an incredibly important thing and to, to, to put it basically it makes it makes the workplace a more enjoyable place to be a more interesting place to be having people from different backgrounds and cultures um, you know even socially um, is, is really important so yeah that, that's certainly something that should never be a barrier um, barrier to entry and you know things like the rare recruitment uh, you mentioned obviously i think you know it's a, it's a good initiative um but yeah i mean you're right in that perhaps it is it is uk focused and that doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing but it, it is it's one of those elements that we need to look at again that okay this is a good thing but also are we excluding you know this this other huge pool of talent um who, who may not be included in that so yeah, I think I think it's it's. I'm often um, I often have to kind of rein myself in, in in our inclusion group meetings because you get quite passionate and critical. But I think 
that is exactly the forum for it and you should be criticizing and questioning and constantly trying to improve and then look at look at new areas how we can um how we can make make the firm and, and, and the industry more more diverse i T I totally agree with what with, with what Rob has said. I I, I think um, uh, I, I think you know we we signed up to Rare as well, and and that's why we took that stage further and signed up to the uh, Race Fairness commitment as well. Um, I I think it's I I think it's a good thing Rare uh, because it's uh, it's an initiative that's designed to provide a more level view of someone's performance. Um, and I, and, I, and I, I think that has to be a good thing. Um, is it perfect? Um, uh, I don't even think I'm well placed to criticize whether or not it's perfect, but I suspect with examples that you mentioned, and I suspect there may be more where Rare may well take, take on points like that, or there might be something else that comes in place. But I think what's more important is as law firms embrace concepts like Rare and uh, build this into their recruitment processes as we do more to unpack and and try and clear out those areas where perhaps there are obstacles uh, that prevented us from from from, from having more diverse uh, 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 talent pools um, then then I, I think more naturally we'll find that that hopefully recruitment just does become more diverse um, it's not going to uh, it's not just going to happen magically. I think we're going to be working on this for, for, for many, many years to come. But I think in doing so, we'll start to see some of the points like the one that you just mentioned already around, well, maybe it doesn't work here as well as it should be. Uh, and so is there something that can be done around that? Um, and, and I think, you know, what, what, when I started to look uh, more deeply into this area, uh, sort of around the beginning of the year, when we, we, you know, I was tasked by the board at Taylor Wessing for us to think around, you know, what should be our new revised strategy around race and ethnicity. So um, you think, okay, well, let's look to see what's out there. Let's you know, educate and inform ourselves a little bit more around what does that mean and, and, and what does that look like? It becomes very clear very quickly that there is no blueprint, right? There is none. Um, you can look to certain resources uh, and you could take bits from here and bits from there. Um, the key is how do you pull that together to make it work for the journey that your law firm is taking, uh, wherever it is in that journey. And some will be a little bit further ahead. So, you know, they should be more ambitious or they should be reaching that part of their strategy that actually makes them sweat a little bit, makes them work a little bit harder to make sure that you know, they're not just plateauing at a, at, a, at, a, at a very easy level that you can reach by just putting in a certain amount of effort. Um, but how do you take it above and beyond that? So I, I think the, the, what will be interesting is to see how law firms, you know, look at their strategies again in two years, three years time um, and think, right, what does it look like? How does it work? Uh, what are the results show us? Uh, where do we need more effort? Where do we uh, you know, where do we recognize that we've done well, um, which I think is important as well. Um, and then what should our next layer of our strategy look like? Now, law firms are very good at doing that. Or I think many law firms are very good at doing that from a business perspective. 
you know what's our business strategy what are, you know what or, or, you know are, are we going to be aligning with certain sectors are certain practice areas going to be strong for us so thinking very strategically thinking very commercially as a business i think many successful law firms are fantastic at that um and i think it's using the same sense of commerciality to provide a mechanism for change and provide a mechanism for doing better uh, and you know we call it a strategy and i think it's right you know we launched our race and ethnicity strategy it's quite an ambitious strategy um, and it's one that will evolve uh, over the uh, over the next two to three years uh, but it gives us the baseline it gives us more than the baseline in towards uh, in terms of us for us to grow into and then hopefully we shouldn't have the sort of disparities that you're talking about just to add on, I'm really glad that these themes have come up because I think it's such an important point to make that whilst it is really crucial that firms are making conscious choices about this, it really does extend towards the industry as well. And as Irini pointed out about the international students and Rob with the social mobility points as well, a lot of these students are kind of rejecting themselves before they'll take the chance to make an application. So from their perspective, I think it will be really beneficial to hear the strategies that are in place to benefit not only them, but also the firm and industry moving forward. So it's very positive and very, very glad that this has been raised. And I'll pass back to Irini. I know she has more questions. So so I guess uh, you, you kind of brought it to one other question I wanted to ask as well, well with uh, Brexit coming up as well. How um, are you seeing your firms being affected in terms of um, recruiting diverse talent and keeping that uh, level of recruitment of um, both international students and UK-based students? How would you try to keep that uh, going despite Brexit? And um, Vin, if you go first, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, I mean. I think there have been many days over the last four years when I've totally given up trying to predict what Brexit's going to do and what it's going to mean. Um, and, and, you know, I still feel like that. And here we are on the you know 16th of December and we still have no clue as to whether or not we have a deal, whatever the deal is. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard to predict really in reality, what does Brexit mean around recruitment and what does it mean around uh, uh, an impact either way, positive or negative, in terms of diversity. Um, I think uh, what's, what, what we've certainly done, and I know other law firms have done the same, is you know we've taken the step to look after our colleagues who feel they might be adversely impacted by Brexit. Um, and we've supported those colleagues to, to understand better around will they need a visa uh, and right to stay and so on and so forth. So I think, you know, what, what can you do uh, I guess, you know, the first thing is, you know, look to see what you can actually do and what you can control. Um, and that's your colleagues right now. And so we started that. Um, uh, and I, I think it's two or three years ago, we started that process uh, to say, right, he, you know, here's how the firm can help you to make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to be adversely impacted or where there is a requirement, uh, a layer of bureaucracy or, or, or some sort of registration or whatever it happens to be. Um, and whatever it may be in the future, you know, the, the firm will look after its colleagues from that perspective. I, I think otherwise it's, 
it's uh, it's still very difficult to sort of look into that crystal ball that is Brexit. I think people still want to pick the ball up and throw it somewhere. Um, but I don't know. Rob, Rob might have a better crystal ball than me. Unfortunately, not Vin. I'd love to, I'd love to. Um, but no, I, I agree with everything you said. I think it's it's ultimately you know obviously a situation that is currently beyond our control, um, and you know we would love to say that it will have no impact, and you know certainly no impact on the action that we're taking and, and our approach to diversity. It shouldn't it shouldn't really impact that. But there are certain things you know administratively around visas and that kind of stuff which which may become an issue and may not and as Ben says all we can really do is is support our people and our you know potential future applicants um, and future trainees through that kind of admin minefield whatever it may be um, but it, it shouldn't um, you know conceptually impact or, or change the current positive trend that we're on uh, I, I sincerely hope so anyway. I think a crystal ball would be very useful but also that takes the fun out of not knowing what's going to happen and getting to influence our, our say a little bit more. Um, so as we're drawing towards the end I think everything that we've spoken about ties into the one of the many questions that I, um, I suggested at the very start and specifically on quotas so I think everything you've said really does tie into that. And that's the golden thread of the steps and decisions and strategies that are being put in place will, fingers crossed, inevitably lead to more natural recruitment rather than box checking exercises. So I think that's a really positive way to wrap things up. But before we do go, I just wondered if you had any final bits of advice that you might offer students who do come from a diverse or social mobility background. Um, and if you had any final bits of input you might give to them or advice? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think it's, it is something, you know, you, your, your, your background, your characteristics are part of you. And when you come to work, you should be you and you should be um, appreciated for being you and supported in being you and integrated as part of the firm. And so that really should be something that you're looking for when you're choosing which which, which firms to apply to, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an important factor uh, really in, in making the decision. Uh, and you should scrutinize and, and dig and do research in the same way you're choosing, you know, a firm because they are, you know, they do a lot of IP work or they do a lot of data protection work. It should, it should be a part of the process for you. Um, and firms need to be um, you know, conscious of that and, and, and we are um that having you know an externally having having a good image and, and showing that diversity and inclusion is, is genuinely part of your culture that should be an attractive quality for the firm which is going to make what people want to be there um so yeah i i think it's it's really um it's really about doing your research and trying to try to kind of find the firms that and hopefully there are a lot of them but find the firms that are, are really taking this seriously and are going to allow you to be be yourself and be the best version of you you can be. Um, and, and just, you know, to end hopefully on, on a fairly optimistic note that I do think this is this is an area that's changing and we're, we're seeing positive changes certainly more rapidly than we 
we have in the past. You know, the very fact that we're talking today about this issue on this podcast um, and the people uh, are caring about it, it is a positive step. Uh, I think it's a great thing that, that you guys are doing. Uh, and to totally endorse everything that Rob said. And I, I think, you know, the, the, at the moment, the, the, you know, the, what I would say, you know, is, is, you know, be open-minded um, and, and, you know, be, be, be true to yourself. Um, because what we want to see uh, is, you know, we want you, you know, we want you to apply if you feel that Telewesting is the right firm for you. Uh, and if you feel it's the right firm for you, um, we don't, you know, we want to see you. Uh, so, you know, bring your true self into that picture and make sure you reflect that in the applications, make sure you reflect that in your uh, uh, dealings with us, uh, whether it's on, you know, open days or whether it's on vacation schemes or insight days and so on. Uh, you know, bring your true self to that. Um, because if you, you know, this is the firm for you where you can show your energy, your passion, your enthusiasm, for wanting to be in that sort of firm, um, then then you will excel. Um, and you know, something Rob said earlier on, which is you know, law, for law firms, you know, our, our biggest asset is our people, uh, and it's through our people that we will thrive. It's through our people that we will have a better environment in which to work in. And you know, law, law firms, like many businesses, but law firms in particular, we we. We invest a lot into the recruitment process and we invest a lot into uh, into trainees that come in through the training program. Um, and, you know, I think if you if you said to 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 uh, any leadership team within a law firm, X is the investment you're about to make. Do you want to see that going up in smoke in two years time? And I think most will say, well, no. Well, in which case, this is what we need to be doing to not only attract the best, but actually attract those who really will thrive uh, in the firm. Uh, so, you know, uh, be open-minded, look at the firm and think, is this really the right firm for me? Uh, but also be open-minded because you are not yet in the legal, uh, in your legal career. So you don't necessarily know what the law firm has got to offer. So I see far too often um, uh, candidates say, uh, oh, I want to join you because I want to be an IP lawyer. And that's fine. I, I, I get why you thought IP appeals to you. Um, but there might be so many parts of the firm that actually appeal more. And you don't know that and won't know that until you bark upon your training contract. So looking at a firm and what it offers and what it stands for uh, is, is going to be incredibly important. Because if you feel that's the right fit for you, then you will thrive and you will bring your true self to the whole process and you will you will excel and that's what we want to see um so you know be 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 yourself that's what we want to see thank you both i think that's a really optimistic way to bring everything to an end and i mean ultimately diversity and inclusion is about recognizing that every perspective has value so if you're not bringing your own authentic perspective then it just undermines the whole point anyway so I think that was a really really lovely way to end everything and I want to thank you once more for joining us because I've had a very engaging and I think I've learned a lot from law firms perspective so thank you Rob and Vin both of you for that and Irina for co-hosting thank you it's been a pleasure thank you so that's the end of our episode for today thank you so much for listening and we'll be back in the new year so happy new year and happy holidays to everyone who's celebrating and see you soon Bye.